Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney, and the draft is almost here, and it sounds like the Jaguars might be trying to do something a little bit crazy. Man, it is almost <laughs> here. We've been talking about the draft since last year, and we are just about one week out from when the Jaguars make their first pick of the draft, and I hope it's Aiden Hutchinson. I know you're leaning towards uh, another guy, but um, all the mocks that I've seen have Aiden Hutchinson going number one. So I know the Jags would like to trade out of that spot. I would like for them to trade out of that spot. But uh, Uh, I think everyone in unison would say trade the pick. Right now, there's just not that movement for that number one pick because there's no quarterback out there that teams justify uh, as worthy as that number one pick. So we've made our mock drafts. We're going to publish those on newsforjacks.com. Jamal, but take me through who would be your guy at number one in this whole process. So it, the, the, it comes down to four people. At least for the Jaguars, it looks like it's cut. Their four seem to be Evan Neal, Akeem Aquanu, Aiden Hutchinson, and Trayvon Walker. Now, Walker is, of course, the dark horse candidate that has picked up pace over the, the long haul here. I mean, everyone expected at least Kayvon Thibodeau to be the other person there, but the four seems to be Trayvon Walker instead. And... For me, I tend to think when you start seeing this much smoke, especially around an organization that has a history of not exactly keeping their thoughts to themselves, uh, they have a a lot of leaks. Urban Meyer infamously talked about those last year. Uh, So when when this information starts to continuously get thrown out there that they're very interested and that they want this guy and they they see a a ton of potential there, I think that there's something to it. I tend to lean a little bit heavier to Walker than Hutchinson. I think Hutchinson is a phenomenal player. He's the safer pick there. He could be a, a absolute beast in the right system. I think Walker, obviously not as accomplished in college, not very accomplished at all, but he played on a phenomenal defense, played his role. He's a strong run defender and an incredible athlete. If you look at some of the people that profile that have been picked in the past, Trayvon Walker has been compared to an Alden Smith. I I could see where the Alden Smith comparison comes from, and I'm not going to say like a body type is similar to a Cam Jordan, but from a production standpoint, he'd be similar to a Cam Jordan when he came into the league. Cam was a phenomenal run defender from day one. In college, he didn't exactly have the sack numbers, but people saw the potential there. And Walker is an even better athlete than Jordan is. The potential is definitely there. Obviously, Cam Jordan wasn't a number one pick, so that's where the the – the road meets the wheels here. Yeah, just to me, it seems like that's awfully high for him. A guy it's a reach. that you're that you're <laughs> you're projecting. I mean, you're, you know, to me, the tape doesn't lie. And you know, Aiden Hutchinson has good tape. Kayvon Thibodeau, early on in his career, has some good tape. Um, I just I think you go with a guy like an Aiden Hutchinson to solidify the the spot opposite Josh Allen. Uh, unlock his potential. I think he's more of a sure thing, and, and Trayvon Walker may have that higher ceiling that uh, a lot of people are, are projecting him to have. Um, but I just don't. I don't know. I, it's In, too much of a risk to me. It's it's almost like a Dante Fowler situation. A little you, bit, yeah. Where you draft this guy extremely high. The Jaguars took him at number three, and he just didn't have that. You know, you were more projecting with Dante Fowler. Uh, coming out of Florida and towards ACL first training camp uh, weekend um, and never really became that. I think he only started one game in his career, which is just just astonishing to me um, that he started one game uh, in his Jaguars career and had, you know, the, the year they made the AFC championship game, put up some good numbers out of that that uh, reserve role, but never really justified that draft selection. So I think Trayvon Walker, fair or not, 
to me is more of that Dante Fowler mold. Not saying he's the same player. I just think it's it's risky to almost project uh, a guy, you know, who maybe two or three years out as opposed to an Aiden Hutchinson guy, uh, an Evan Neal, um, a guy that's more um, – he's got that tape from college and did that against his high-level uh, competition. Now, I do want to prerequisite all of this by saying if it was my choice, I would take Thibodeau. Kayvon, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is the best pass rusher in, the, in this draft. I think all of the effort stuff is foolishness. I think the off-the-field question marks about him wanting to brand himself is foolishness. To me, Kayvon Thibodeau should be the pick if you're looking for an edge rusher. Um, but when I look at Hutchinson and Walker, and obviously the Jaguars are here, uh, Aiden Hutchinson is your classic defensive end. As long as he's going north and south, mm-hmm. he's very good. Where my projection is tough and why I think that the Walker smoke may have some fire to it is that Mike Caldwell views this as a very multiple defense. Mm -hmm. And when I I look at a multiple defense and think about the things that Todd Bowles has valued in his edge rushers in the past, you talk about guys like JPP, you Mm -hmm. talk about uh, Shaquille Barrett, uh, these are athletic guys that aren't just north and south guys. They're, they're pretty good athletes that he can drop into coverage. He can move around and do different things, which allows him to change those fronts and play different mm-hmm. players in different positions. I, I don't think Aiden Hutchinson's that guy. I mean, you can look at his three-cone time. It wasn't good. He, he is a phenomenal player in, in his own right and could be a very good 4-3 defensive end. But if you're planning to play a multiple defense mm-hmm. that's not just basically he's going to walk to the line scrimmage, put his hand in the dirt, and go, I wonder about his fit. Yeah, and, and I think I think that's valid because we don't know what a Caldwell defense looks like right, right now. Right, and, and that's, that's it, what makes it so hard because yeah. I'm like, okay, well, Walker could put his hand in the dirt. He can stand up. He's an incredible athlete who can move around. But I just I don't know what Mike Caldwell values so I mean, we're ma- I'm, I can make an assumption mm-hmm. based on what Todd Bowles has done because he's mentioned Todd Bowles as a, a major influence. And look, on him. you look at that Bucks Super Bowl team and the strength that the, why they won the Super Bowl was from that defensive front, right? You know? it right. Wasn't, you know, it was that defensive front just mauling Kansas City. Um, and you a guy like uh, Barrett on the edge. I mean, how disruptive was he in that game? Um, it just that kind of that edge rusher you're talking about, that lean, uh, quick kind of get to the quarterback um, and not that prototypical 4-3 kind of guy. And Thibodeau is more definitely more of that role than an Aiden Hutchinson. So, um, it, again, I think Thibodeau is a little bit of projection, too, because we did not see him as much as we saw in Aiden Hutchinson. So I don't think he, he's as much projection as uh, Trayvon Walker is at this point. Um, but I do, uh, I do think uh, Thibodeau and, uh, and, and Hutchinson – one or the other, or really throughout this whole draft process, have been the two guys you mentioned as one, one A, one B, one or two. I mean, two or one. Those two guys throughout the draft season, really up until probably the last six weeks, have been one and two in some way. Yeah, they really have. Um, let's look at the other side. I know, um, you know, obviously some people are, are apprehensive of going defense, saying we need to to block for Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence. We got Akeem Aquanu and Evan Neal there. Obviously, Aquanu, again, a bit of a dark horse candidate that seems to have surged up draft boards. Um, would one of those two interest you a little bit more than the Aiden Hutchinson? I you know, it, I look at the draft, and I remember the, the Luke Jokel draft, when the Jaguars were picking second. I believe it was 2013, and there was just no consensus. One guy, no consensus two. It was just kind of a draft, and uh, you know, you had the draft that season, and 
Uh, I remember the first pick in the draft, Eric Fisher. You know, average NFL career. He um, stuck around for a while. Yeah, never not, great player, never, but never just the definition of a guy. Yeah. Um, and Luke Jokel was a complete bust in Jacksonville. Um, you know, people called him Baby Baselli, and he was going to be the next coming of Tony, and uh, could not have been further from the truth. And this draft reminds me of that, just because there's no home run guy, and I think the lack of a quarterback really makes that. Uh, it drives that point home. Um, but I, I don't have as much of a problem with an offensive line um, guy going number one overall. I think you got to, if you're going offensive line, um, you can make the case for or against it. And I think the, the case for that is you got Trevor um, last year. You want to keep him upright. Offensive line was was not the best last year. Um, you've been br- invested in Brandon Scherf at, uh, at right guard. Uh, there's still some uncertainty at the tackle positions. You solidify that immediately by drafting an, uh, a guy like Evan Neal or Akima Kwanu. Um, so do you do that? Are those going to be guys, those going to be pro bowl, all pro kind of tackles uh, with that number one spot? I, I just don't know if they do that. And, and what we do have at tackle right now, Jawan Taylor, who is a below average tackle, and Cam Robinson, who's that middle of the road tackle, um, you know exactly what you're getting with him. You're paying him 16, almost 17 million a year on the franchise tag. Um, is he going to be better? Is, is Evan Neal going to be significantly better than Cam Robinson? Because um, you're not drafting a guy number one overall to play guard. I mean, you're no. you're drafting a number one uh, position to play a tackle, uh, preferably a left tackle at some point in his career. Is he that much of an upgrade over Cam Robinson at this point? You think that's you think that's the case? I mean, I, you know what you're getting with Cam Robinson. I think. From, from here on out, you know exactly what he's going to be uh, to a degree of you know plus or minus three in a, in a sense. I think you know exactly who Cam Robinson is, what he's going to be, where his ceiling is, um, and is Evan Neal that much of an upgrade um, over a Cam Robinson? I don't think it's a guarantee as, uh, as some people want it to be. It's yeah, not I, as I clean. I don't think so. I don't. And I don't. when you have drafts like this, this is probably the worst kind of draft to have that number one overall pick in. Yeah. Here's one of the reasons why if you're looking at mock drafts out there, don't. Just look at the player evaluation portion. Because when you have drafts like this one, we're going to see a ton of movement mm-hmm. up and down teams trading up to get their guy because when you have a draft like this where there's so many different players that are glutted together and there's no guy teams are going to go convince themselves mm-hmm. of a Trayvon Walker yep. for instance or an Akeem Aquanu they their scouts are going to convince themselves the coaches are going to convince themselves and they're going to do what it takes to move up to get their guy to yep. make sure that someone else doesn't and so that way they don't end up taking someone else yep. and because so many players are graded together. Teams that don't aren't as high on uh, the same player, maybe an Akeem Aquanu, they're going to be willing to trade down, saying, "Yeah, I'll trade down eight picks because to me, all of these players look the same." Yeah, you know. So I think we're going to see in a very active draft day between these teams. So don't pay attention to where players are slotted in the top ten, top five. Guys are going to go all over the place because some team's going to fall in love with a quarterback. He's going to go in the top ten, fifteen. One of these wide receivers, you know, Chris Olave, it could be Garrett Wilson. Somebody's going to go higher than anyone expected them. Trayvon Walker, a couple of weeks ago, nobody's talking about him as a top five pick, not even number one. And now, you know, we're looking at it as a possibility. That's just crazy. So at some point, teams are going to decide that these guys are worth the risk and that they love a player, and they're going to go get them. So at 33, the Jaguars are going to be in good shape because someone that – there are going to be multiple players that people, at least in the media, think are first-round picks that are going to fall because teams are going to say, eh, 
I like this guy a lot. And all these players are glutted together. I'll take my guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and we've talked about trades a lot. You know, there's just not a lot of buzz for that number one pick. I know Trent Baalke said uh, a couple weeks ago at the scouting combine where he said, hey, our lines are open. We're, we're uh, open for business to, uh, to listen to these trades. So ESPN did a pretty cool thing today. Um, when you do mock drafts, there's not a lot of trades built into those. You kind of build, you know, your, your mock draft uh, according to the position. ESPN did a couple of interesting mocks today um, with some trade possibilities. I'm going to throw these at you, Jamal, and see if you would take any of these. First one involves the Jaguars uh, swapping with the New York Jets. So the Jags would get the Jets picks at one and, or excuse me, at four and ten. So two first round picks in the top ten, a second rounder at 38 and a fifth rounder at 146. The Jets would get the first overall pick, the Jags' second pick at uh, number 33, and uh, LaVisca Chenault. Is that, is that a go for you, or is that— That's a go. That's a go. That's a, that's a, that's a go. I'd love to keep 33, but that's a go. I'd, I wouldn't even think twice. They offered it, done. So you're, <laughs> you're moving back three spots in the draft, but you pick up an extra first rounder. So at picking at number four— you could conceivably get your your tackle. Uh, I mean, I'm sure one of those guys would be left at tackle. Um, and then at yep. ten, you could snag maybe a Drake London, a, a receiver of your your choice there at number right. ten. I think that's a hellaciously good deal for the Jags. I'm on board with that one. Yeah. If oh yeah. Look, if somebody calls up with a deal, like again, I would love to keep 33. I would love to unload some of those six round picks yep. that they have <laughs> along in this, and so that way they could find a way to to formulate a, a trade that would keep 33 i'll give you all of my sixth round picks so you, like would, four of them. you would move back five spots in the second round so you'd pick up the jets uh, 38 selection okay okay oh yeah you're right you're right you're so right. you would pick that extra second swapping second round picks basically yeah so, so I, no i'd take that deal in a heartbeat you move down a little bit give the jets the problem of the number one overall pick you let a couple of guys slide because if they move back to that jets pick then if they really are in love with trayvon walker like people think they are then it's not it, People aren't freaking out when they try they take they draft him. I would be in favor of that pick just because that that trade again. You get your tackle yeah. at that point because I I think there's going to be at least two edge rushers taken in those two picks, and then you would have your choice of a tackle. Um, conceivably, if uh, maybe the Texans took a uh, one of those two tackles there at number three, um, the second trade projection for the number one okay. would be the Lions giving up their number two overall pick to get Aiden Hutchinson and their number thirty-four pick, which is the second pick in the second round, and then a twenty twenty-three fourth round pick. So the Jags uh, get the number two pick, the number thirty-four pick, and a fourth rounder next year. Is Done. that a, is that a go for you? Jamal? That's a go too. It look I most trades are a go as long as the Jaguars aren't coming out on the on the short end and like paying out to do it. Take the deal, move down, get an extra first round pick somewhere, just do it. Yeah, and I yeah, I would even make that trade if I was Jacksonville without the the additional fourth rounder in there. Throw a second extra second rounder in or a third rounder to move down one spot. Yeah, because you know you're going to get your guy there at number two. Heartbeat. So I but, think both of those trades are slam dunks I, for I, me. If the Jaguars can get someone on the phone, if they can convince the Lions that you know you got to have Aiden Hutchinson and we're willing to trade whatever. Whatever they have to do, move the pick. That's the ideal scenario. But it doesn't always work out that way. Having the first pick, they can pick their guy. They're probably going to end up making the pick. Now, what, do you, what do you think, you know, when you know there's – I'm sure there's a call made to the Jaguars on what it would take. I mean, I'm sure there's never a pick in a year where, you know, teams holding the number one pick where uh, there's not been at least one call made. And, 
you know, in the years past, there have been, you know, Trent Baalke or, excuse me, Doug Marone, Dave Caldwell said we did have uh, options to, to trade back, but it just wasn't there. So what would be, you know, if, if a team is calling Trent Baalke right now, what are they saying, hey, we'll move up for, you know, what are they realistically offering the Jaguars right now for that number one pick? Realistically, I mean, like the minimum I would take, let's say it's a, if I want your first round this year and I need a first round next year and then we can kind of haggle over the over the logistics the rest of the way. I mean, that's minimum. And this is assuming that you're a mid uh, uh, upper teen upper teens mm-hmm. first round pick before we, you know, and look, you you're not just going to give the pick away. But you still want to get value, especially if you're moving back that far. Like if it's the Lions at two, do they? Obviously, you're not moving far, so mm-hmm. they don't have to pay as much. So that's a little bit easier. Okay, let's start with swapping picks. You're okay with that? Throw us in a second round pick or at least a third round pick, and then we we, we at least have a yeah. We can start talking um, because the Jaguars have holes. I mean, I, there are things that are going to be difficult. If we sat here and looked at what the Jaguars have on their roster right now. Those last, like, 10 to 15 players, if we cut it down to 53 right now, Lean. would be yeah, it'd be bad. Very, you very. know, so, like, they have holes to fill. I don't think they need to take every single draft pick that they have. Ideally, in my mind, they use a lot of those late picks, those sixth-round picks, even those fourth-round picks that they have to kind of move up into the mm-hmm. upper fourth, up into the third, and get some extra players. Because they need talent. They don't yes. just need guys. Yes, they got guys. Yeah, they, they, they got, got plenty got of, guys. of guys. They, they need talent. They need players that can come in and that can contribute. And so there are a lot of holes on this roster. Trading back is ideal because it gets you the draft picks to try and start filling those holes. I know that when the Browns moved back they and accumulated all those mm-hmm. picks once before, it didn't exactly pay immediate dividends, yep. but it helped them. It helps. You get those bodies in there and higher pedigree and, and higher in the draft. Yes. Um, that's. I mean, of those two deals, what do you like better? The Jets trade? The Jets offer or the Lions offer? I like the Jets deal. Yeah, that's just I, so. I like the Jets deal. It pays up so well. You get that extra pick. I mean, I, th- I think that Jets deal is the one to do. Would and you rather have two picks in the top ten this year or the number one overall? Easy question. Easy, that's, that's easy pick. Even, that's, yeah. that's not even. That's not even a question. I mean, I think the depth in this draft is is good. I think the the star power is probably not what you want no. um, at that number one spot. No, and like I said, the Jaguars have so many issues, and that's why it's so interesting looking at this because we we have this conundrum. We have this weak draft, and the Jaguars where they need help everywhere. So everyone's like debating. Okay, well, how bad do they need an edge rusher? They need one pretty bad. Yes. How bad do they need offensive line help? They need it pretty bad. So it's like, okay, well, what can they get at 33, and what do they have to get at one? So at one, you need to be trying to get a superstar. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that anyone is just completely locked in that Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker or Kayvon Thibodeau is a guaranteed superstar. I don't think so. I Uh, think you're – I think it's – Again, I think it. I look back to that 2013 draft when you're at the top and it's just kind of a bunch of guys. Yes. I don't think it's that. Like I, if Evan it, Neal has an Eric Fisher career, by, for him that's great. Yeah, Phenomenal, but, good yeah. job, pat you on the back, you lived your dream. But for the number one overall pick, that's not, a, that's no, not what you want. Not at all. You want a... Uh, you want a potential. You want a, Hall a of Jeff Ogden. You yeah. want a Tony Baselli. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what you want. That's what you need out of that pick. And I, I, if you told me that Evan Neal had that kind of career, that he was Jeff Ogden, I'm not convinced. 
that he is. I'm not saying he'll have a bad career. Will he be a starting left tackle in the league for probably 10 years? Yes. Is he Jeff Ogden? Is he Tony Baselli? I don't know. It's very hard yeah. to figure that out. Is he Eric Fisher? <laughs> is, is he, you know, you just don't, you don't know. I think that, you know, Cam Robinson was an Alabama guy, second round pick, and he's, you know, he's come out and he's been an average to above average tackle. And that's, I think that's his ceiling. Um, Evan Neal, is he a guy that's going to come in and play guard for a little bit of time and then transition to left tackle next year and be that Tony Baselli, that rocket left tackle where it's Willie Rofe, Jonathan Ogden, that kind of guy. I think that's probably asking a lot from him and a little bit, uh, a, a little bit projecting too far out. But um, could he be a guy that locks down a spot for 10 years in this league and, and becomes that franchise cornerstone left tackle? That's what you hope to get. That's what you expect to get if you're drafting an offensive tackle right. number one. That's, that, that should be a bare minimum to, be a, to get your second contract, to be a, a Pro Bowl player. You're getting taken at number one. Those are the expectations. It's not an Eric Fisher kind of career. No, no, no. And I know a lot of the talk is around that number one pick right now. I love looking at 33 because that means 32 other picks have gone, and now you have the night to think it over, and you're looking, okay, well, who's falling to me? But when I look at the Jaguars roster, and I know there are, there are glaring holes and there are holes. Uh, glaring hole right now to me is linebacker. They need someone that's going to be take, well, for lack of a better comparison, take Miles Jack's spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now there's not somebody in that role, and they have to figure out who that person is going to be. They don't have anybody at at one that's even in consideration for that kind of player. Uh, at 33, in my mind, I know a lot of people are wondering if they should go wide receiver, if they could even uh, go for a Trey McBride, maybe a tight end mm-hmm. there, uh, to give Trevor some help. And I think a lot of people would be upset if the first two picks are both defensive players. Yeah, I do. I I think a lot of people will be upset if that is the case. If the first two picks are defensive players, people are going to be saying, get Trevor some help. Then again, I mean, if you get two starters out of those picks right right there, I mean, I don't think it's that bad. Um, No. You've addressed some of the stuff, the shortcomings in free agency, offensive line, um, and, and receiver. Uh, but I still think you need that alpha receiver. That's why I like that Jets trade because that would leave you in position to get that uh, that alpha receiver with that number ten pick. Um, I don't think it's there's any receiver out there worth a, a number one pick, number two pick uh, right now. And you know, is that receiver available at the top of the second round? You know, cons- let's say they take an edge rusher, uh, Walker or Hutchinson, number one. Are you going to uh, the draft resets on day two? There's mid-level George Pickens kind of receiver, John Michi, those guys out there at top pick of the second round. Um, the North Dakota State receiver, Christian Watson, yep. um, is he if he's out there, do you take a, a flyer on a receiver with that number one pick to give Trevor that help, to add him to that receiver room, hope he becomes the the alpha of that room? Because I just still, we talked about this on our mock draft show, there's just no alpha in that Jaguars receiver room. They need one. I don't know if you find him at the top of the second round. Or do you address defense? I mean, the Miles Jack position is a black hole right now. Who is uh, who is in that Miles Jack position? I mean, who who starts out there? I mean, this is a, a team that started like Donald Payne, uh, for God's sakes, yeah. at the uh, at the backer a few years ago when it was when it was uh, in one of those kind of lean times. Quincy Williams, another guy. Well, um, hey, hey, now he's having a good career. He, he, is he a left good and then all of a sudden started forcing exactly. fumbles and making plays in the, in yep. New York. So. so who who is that guy on the outside? That athletic kind of linebacker right now. Um, and you just don't have them. You find them in the second round, uh, top of the second round. You, you, there's uh, there's a possibility Nicobe Dean falls. Mm-hmm. Possibility that Quay Walker from Georgia falls. I mean, both of those interior backers could be there. You can always get a 
you know, a thumper mm-hmm. that could that could help with that defense as well later on in the draft. Um, but I think they have to find a way to address that position. My thing with wide receiver at 33 is what kind of what caliber player are you going to get? A lot of the top receivers in the NFL do tend to come from that second round area, yep. though. So I do want to say there is typically a lot of potential there. But my question mark is, in order for that potential to be realized, there has to be opportunity. Let's think about how many receivers the Jaguars already have. Jamal Agnew, he's a kickoff returner, but he counts as a wide receiver when they start doing cuts. Um, He's on the roster. Zay Jones, he's going to make the roster. They just brought him in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marvin Jones could be a salary cap casualty when it's all said and done, but right now he's there, and he's one of the few outside receivers that they really have. So I think he's relatively safe for the moment. Christian Kirk, obviously, here just made the big money contract. Um, and then, what, we got LaVishka Chenault still on the roster mm-hmm. at the moment. So he's a guy that's played the slot. A lot of people not upset. Could be out there for trade fodder, mm-hmm. but on the roster. Second-round pick as well. Yep, second-round pick. You kind of alluded to that. You know, who is that in that second round is mm-hmm. going to come in to be that guy? And LaVishka was a second-round pick recently. That's right. And he's uh, you know been, been mentioned in trade uh, conversations pretty sporadically. Uh, and consistently through this offseason. And we're at five receivers yeah. right there. They just brought back Laquan Treadwell, who, I mean, for I know a lot of people are like, Trevor Lawrence was throwing to Laquan Treadwell. And Played I, fine. He, I like As Laquan like a Treadwell. fourth or fifth receiver, yes. perfect on this roster. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, if you say they just re-signed him, so they must like him at least a little bit, that's six yep. right there. So now you draft a guy, that's seven, which means somebody in that in those top that top number has to go because there's only so many roster spots. Plus, you got to figure mm-hmm. you got mouse to feed and Evan Ingram, who is really more of a slot receiver than a tight end. Um, Dan Arnold, again, he's a guy who mm-hmm. can play traditional tight end, but they I'm sure they will use him in the slot as well. Some probably two so, catches this season for Chris Manhurts. He's a, in the a mix. couple of seasons, yeah. a couple catches yeah. for Chris Manhurts. So, so you got miles to feed, but I mean, when you start looking at it, they need an outside guy. Somebody has to line up on the outside. Zay Jones has done it some in his career. Christian Kirk has planned to be done some. Marvin Jones is profiled the majority as an outside guy, mm-hmm. but. When you look at it, they do have a need there for that top guy, but it's like, okay, do they really need to run the risk of getting just another guy who's trying to figure it out right now? Unless they can move LaVisca, in which case that means they give up on him and bring in another potential developmental kind Mm -hmm. of player, which that can work. But outside of that, I just keep looking at the numbers and I'm saying – I think they've made their bet at receiver at this point, yeah. and and this is just where we're at. Yeah, unless you farm out Lavisca, unless you cut Marvin, trade Marvin, whatever the case may be, then I think. And that if opens you're going to make that move to get rid of Marvin, you better have brought in somebody who can play. Yeah, uh, Jameson, I mean, I, to me, my my guy in this draft has been Jamison Williams. If you could get him in that twenty range, well, I think he's that perfect because you could almost redshirt him this year. Yeah, that's. I true. mean, he's going to be on pup to start the year more than likely, which means you slowly bring him along. By the time you're midway through the season, injuries have probably hit somebody's on IR anyway it's perfect you roll him right in there that works out ideally Jamison Williams is ideal for more reasons than one I mean he starts the year because he's gonna miss training camp I don't care how fast he thinks he's recovering he's going to miss at least the majority of training camp so they're gonna start the year on pup it's week six now before Mm -hmm. he comes off the pup list somebody's hurt at that point and either on the injured reserve list temporarily because you know you you love the new IR dance because guys can go on and off so now all of a sudden you got a roster spot you got space to to make a role for this guy to kind of ease him along as opposed to if you pick a a Jahan Dotson or uh, um, I don't know I mean if you pick any of these and an Alec Pierce 
you, if you pick any of these guys, then you, you you say, okay, well, I see the potential there because all the pieces aren't together. You pick a George Pickens. Mm-hmm. Where's the role at? Yeah, and, it's, it's and, a similar role to everybody who's already out there. And right, <laughs> and and at some point you need a guy. Like Drake London, if you could get Drake London, I think he He's is going to be good. He would be a guy. He'd be the guy. And you, you make space. Obviously, then does Marvin become expendable? Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean you can move on from Laquan Treadwell and just push LaVisca down the, down the um, down the depth chart? Sure, yeah, you could do that at mm-hmm. that point. But you got to be sure. You you have to get a guy who you know can play if you're right. going to start ma- you know making those sorts of moves and rolling in a training camp. You don't even have enough reps yeah. for all of these guys to get meaningful opportunities to compete. I mean, because you got other guys. I didn't list all the receivers that are currently on the yeah. roster. Yeah, Those true. are just the ones I think are going to make it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you look at in you, in an instance like a DJ Chark, second round pick again. Yes. Uh, of the Jaguars, and his first season was basically a redshirt season. Was terrible. Uh, I remember people calling DJ Chark a bust. I mean, I think I even wondered aloud if uh, DJ was just a bust, and that was a thrown away pick. Came to his own in his second year. Obviously, still waiting for that uh, that jump from Lavisca. Have not seen that yet. Could be the odd man out uh, in Jacksonville in that receiver room. But uh, I'm in agreement. If you could get that alpha, you knew he was going to be that alpha. Jamison Williams, to me, is uh, an alpha in this draft. Drake London's an alpha in this draft. Uh, If you could somehow get one of those two guys, I don't think you're going to. Uh, Every mock I've seen lately has got Jamison Williams in that uh, maybe that 13 to 20 range. So it's probably a little too rich for the Jags to come up and, and do that. But I do like those two guys. And that's why I like that Jets trade. You get two picks in that top ten, and you could get that alpha receiver uh, towards the tail end of that round. That that would be ideal. I mean, I'm still kind of bullish on on LaVisca. I think he just has so many physical tools that he has to be put in the right situation. But I'm also bullish after seeing some of Jamal Agnew last year that he should get a few touches on offense per game. Um, and I know a lot of people are like, ah, he'll just go back to that returner role. I'm like, man, you get this guy, you know, a couple of screens, just line him up. And, you, I mean, you rotate these guys out. Because to me, none of these guys, like Christian Kirk might be your guy who plays the most snaps. Mm-hmm. I think deservedly, especially with the paycheck. But Zay, it, you're not going to convince me, like, if it's third down and Zay Jones is on the field instead of Marvin Jones, like somebody that, that that's a detriment. Did you have a plan? Was there a play that, that was – it, that was planned out, a route combination that you think Zay could run better than Marvin? Cool, all right, run it. Um, I think that when you have these sort, this sort of receiver group, Press and Doug better have some, some combinations that they're ready to rotate these guys out for because is, since you don't have that guy, now you, you have to make these route combinations. You have to make these formations and rotate these guys through and make sure, A, they have fresh legs because now we can't afford any of them to be tired. But B, give them opportunities and put them in ro- in spots where they can be successful. Does Jamal Agnew do some things better than than Lavishka? Yes. Does Lavishka do some things better than than Jamal Agnew? Sure. Does Jamal Agnew do some things better than Marvin Jones? Yeah. So like, I wouldn't want to give Marvin Jones a reverse, but I'd love to give Jamal Agnew a reverse. You yeah. know. So I think you you can open the playbook up a little bit, and they just have to be willing to. To, to rotate these guys in and out because right now that's the only way you're going to survive on offense. Yeah. Like, you need the defense checking to see, okay, what what receivers do they have out there right now because there's nobody out there that they have to double team on this offense and unless maybe an ETN just pops off the field really quickly. 
Yeah, but I'm not that, too confident of that. I, I don't know. Yeah, we're, I'm, I think we're already rushing him yeah. back. So it's 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 a lot. It's a lot going it's, on. There's a lot of moving pieces. It'll be interesting how this comes together. Yeah, I think you've got to get two starters out of that number one and uh, you have thirty-three. To. Pick. I think I, they need, to. need starters out of their first three picks. Yeah, but I, I've said that for the past few years, and they keep picking guys that have to ride the bench. I don't think this team is in a position to take a draft pick and just watch him and have him watch the game from the bench. Yeah, they're not in that sort of position. That was the reason why. I wasn't necessarily on board for the Travis Etienne pick last year. It wasn't that I have anything against Travis. Mm -hmm. It's that I think that they had glaring spots on the roster where they could have filled. To me, that that Etienne pick was an arrogant move. It was a move that... Um, you know, if you're a Super Bowl champion, if you're playing right. the Super Bowl, that's a that's a pick where you have that luxury. Like when the Chiefs t- took um, Ceh, yeah, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. You know, it's a luxury kind of pick. Yeah, and I think the Bills did the same thing when uh, they drafted Willis McGahee, who'd blown his knee out in Miami. And mm-hmm. you know, I thought at the time, you know, that's a, that's a high pick for a guy who's you know may not even be the same player. That's a that's an aggressive pick where. You know, it, you, if you're a, coming out of the playoffs and you were an AFC semifinalist, okay, you make that pick for some for luxury, for window dressing. But when you're Jacksonville, can you afford to spend a second first-round pick when, uh, you know, when they had James Robinson on no. a Travis Etienne? Um, I think that was an arrogant, arrogant move. And uh, not that he was injured last year. I, I, I don't. That's not his fault that happens. But I do think it was just an arrogant pick to draft a running back. When you had James Robinson, you knew what he was capable of. Um, when you had so many other pressing needs. Um, I mean, offensive line I thought was a, a huge uh, area last year where they could have addressed in the draft and did not do it. Um, I think they paid uh, paid price the price for that last year with just that in, ineffective offensive line play. But um, what didn't go wrong last year? Yeah, and and that's what, actually one of the things that we haven't hit on at thirty three is I know that uh, I understand why people want to go offensive line at one. It's very valid yeah. because just like you said, they didn't address the offensive line last year. They should have. Now they have the opportunity. People are saying take that tackle. I'm not as on board, especially after they franchise tag Cam Robinson, mostly because I don't think drafting a guard at number one is going to give you those immediate dividends. Mm-hmm. But at 33, when you could probably get some of the best guards in the class are going to be in that yep. range, I mean, you could probably get Zion Johnson. You, Linderbaum might fall to 33. Yeah, that's that's I, not out of the question. I did see a recent ESPN mock this week that had him going – to the Jags at number 33, that, and, and that would be, I think that would be a home run pick. Guards and centers don't tend to go high in drafts. And, I mean, people love this Linderbaum guy. Think he, he could play guard, he could play center, and guess what? Brandon Linder retired. Whether you want to think Tyler Shatley's a starter or not, that's another conversation. But Linderbaum could either be your left guard or he could be your center. Mm-hmm. Like, day one, and people think he's going to be really good. Um, so... There are opportunities, there are discussions to be had. And to me, you know, guard, like I said, guards and centers don't tend to go very high in drafts. It's just not a thing. I think you could get one at 33. Yeah, and I, I think d- that's something that, you know, isn't being discussed probably as much as it could or should be is the opportunity to get that top guard, to get that left guard stored up or get that new center there at 33. Yeah, and I, I don't, I think if you go offense or a defensive line, um, edge rusher with that first pick, and then you have a, a strong offensive guard there, um, a center that Linderbaum uh, drops to them at 33. I think that's a fantastic uh, opportunity to upgrade that line. You've already added Brandon Scherf. 
You got Walker Little, who could probably push Jawan Taylor for that right tackle spot. Um, you got Ben Barch in the mix somewhere. I do think that uh, pick like Linderbaum or a Zion Johnson would add depth uh, to that offensive line and really kind of boost things uh, in front of Trevor Lawrence. Man, this Zion kid has a really interesting story, too. I mean, he's battled every step of the way to get an opportunity. I mean, he wasn't recru- highly recruited coming out of high school, transferred, followed coaches, finally gets his shot, earns his starting job at BC halfway through the season, ends up earning all like second team all conference, his first his own first and only full year as a starter at BC all conference. I mean, very interesting story. I mean, he'd be a great kind of, you know, work ethic guy to 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 have in your locker room. But, you know, I I think the fan base might be a little upset if they use their first two picks on linemen, though. Yeah, I, think <laughs> I, th- so. I think there's going to be some upset folks out there they pick two linemen. I'm just saying. <laughs> I do think so. But, you know, again, bolstering the bolstering. You the win in the Trevor and, and you win there. And then Doug Peterson can say, hey, we're doing everything to, for Trevor. We all, you know, we address the receiver position and free agency. We're still going to upgrade there. Um, and that we wanted to give Trevor the best stuff in front of him. Uh, and we did that with the first two picks of the draft. Not the sexiest picks, but uh, nonetheless, it um, it would it would certainly help Trevor Lawrence's development. That's what we're all about. All right, I'm going to give you – we're almost about to wrap this thing up. Let me give you three combinations between 1 and 33, and I want you to grade each one of them before we wrap up, all right? Let's do it. All right, let's go for an all-Georgia combination. Trayvon Walker, Quay Walker at 33. So that gives you a defensive end – and a linebacker at one and thirty-three. I like it. I like that's that's my favorite one I've heard so far. <laughs> I'll, I'll just bring Kirby Smart down to the yep. south. All right. How about Aiden Hutchinson at one, and then um, at thirty-three we'll go Jahan Dotson. Yeah, not as not as uh, high on that one. Not um, as high on that one. Okay. And, and just for, simply for the fact I don't know if Dotson is that again is that guy right um, at thirty-three. Okay. All right, um, and then for the last one, let's go Evan Neal at one. So that gives you your offensive lineman. And then at 33, we'll go Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Not bad. That would probably be my number two selection of the three that you've mentioned. So I, I would go the Georgia uh, the Georgia guys right off the bat. I like Quay Walker. I think that would address that uh, that uh, linebacker hole, and um, you know Trayvon Walker. Not as high on him, but I would not be not I would not be upset about that. Yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you. Bring those Georgia guys in, bolster that defense. You know, uh, it's not helping Trevor Lawrence directly, but it indirectly boosts the defense, which helps, helps him. Trevor. That's yeah, right. it helps him at the end of the day. All right, we're closing in on the NFL draft. Thanks for tuning in for the News for Jags podcast. <laughs>